Legislature. Uh, Lisa, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Howie. Thanks for having me. So our big theme this morning, before we get to the important, serious stuff, has been Thanksgiving. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? Um, I'm not, but we got some good news yesterday. Our daughter that lives in South Carolina has been with 90% coming home this week, which is a huge, it's a huge, oh. huge surprise for our family. So we're ecstatic. Yeah. That is we're, great. We're getting, That's we'll we'll get there. You know, Thanksgiving we'll to me is there. all about family. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll we'll look forward to it, and um, we'll have turkey, and we will have New England stuffing. My father was from New England, ah. and my mom learned um, how to cook the, the stuffing from his aunt, who was an extremely good cook, and it's made with crackers instead of bread. It's very dense, mm, and okay. um, we still make it to this day. My sister is the, is the cook now of the stuffing. Isn't it interesting how our Thanksgiving food traditions really are familial traditions, you know? Um, they really are, I said earlier, yeah. My boys, you know, my aunt, uh, my late aunt and my mom were the cooks for Thanksgiving for decades. And my uh-huh. boys grew up with that. Now they have kids, of course. And when my boys sit down at the table, they always ask, are these Aunt Peggy's potatoes? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is this, exactly. is, this, is this grandma's stuffing, you know? <laughs> and my wife uh, has to work hard to try and emulate you know, the, the things of the past because that's what we do. We, we it, I, I guess it's because, I'm getting a little philosophical here, maybe I shouldn't, but I guess it's because Thanksgiving is a time for us to think about family and reflect not just on the family here, but the family gone, maybe, I guess. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And just a really quick little story. We make, I make the pumpkin pies now, but when my mom always did them, it's a great-great-grandmother's recipe on her side. And I hated making them because part of it is you have to scald the milk. You ever scalded milk? I never heard of it. So you have to bring uh-huh. it to the temperature. So my aunt pulls me aside, my mom's sister pulls me aside and said, Lisa, you don't have to scald the milk. My mom says, I hear you. Yes, you do have to scald the milk. Well, the, the, it goes back to the... <laughs> It goes back to the recipe being from before they pasteurized milk, and you scalded the milk uh-huh. to make sure that it was, you know, that it doesn't cause anybody to get sick, right? So I, right. unbeknownst to my mother, I made the pies without scalding the milk that year, and I've done it ever since, and it tastes exactly the same. So, um, and it's so. a little quicker that way. <laughs> so, but, no. Nobody took a taste and said, this milk isn't scalded. They didn't do that? Exactly. And somebody asked me for that recipe one time, and I said, okay. My mom said, you will not give that recipe away. That's a family recipe, and you cannot share that. (laughs) So you're right. It all goes back to, you know, it's just so funny. But you're right. We do try to emulate the things that we've known. It's a comfort to us, I think, to have those Yeah. We have to find ways to pass these traditions along and these recipes literally along. Uh, one of my three boys likes to cook. The other two don't. But, one, well, one of them is a chef at a restaurant, so he cooks, but not much at home. But one of my three boys loves to just cook at home. He just loves to cook. And he's always calling uh, my wife and asking, do you have Aunt Peggy's recipe for, you know, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad he does because that way we we know that somebody in the family has got the recipe and is carrying it along. 
uh, and will carry along into the future. Because to me, that's you know, that's an important part exactly. of family tradition. So. When my, when my girls moved out of the house, I actually made a little cookbook for them with all of our family's favorite recipes in it. I put, you know, wrote them down, put them in, the, in this cookbook for them so that they have it to start out with. And they really appreciated it. My oldest daughter-in-law, Teddy's uh, mom, has been in, encouraging us to do that for the past couple of years. So get those recipes together. Let's put them in a book. Let's have them someplace where everybody will, will be able to to find them and reach them and use them. And we haven't done it, and she's right. That's the smart thing to do. We have, you know, yeah. like I suppose everybody does, we have all these little crinkled pieces of paper that are now yellowed yeah. and falling apart yeah. <laughs> that are stuck yeah. in a little box someplace. Someday we're not going to be able to resurrect those pieces of paper. They're going to fall apart. So maybe we should put them together into a book. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, Lisa, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, I don't know what word to use. I don't condolences isn't right, but I, I was really disappointed in your election. Um, without trying to stroke you while you're on the air, I've always thought you've been about the epitome of a public servant. You devote time, effort, thought to the work that you do, and uh, I was looking forward to seeing you in the legislature for a long, long time to come. Uh, this last election was not—it was not to be, but. Uh, Right. Uh, I suppose you'll miss it. Well, I'll miss you in the legislature. I suppose you'll miss it, too. I will miss it. I'll miss my colleagues, and I'll miss the process. Most of all, I'll miss trying to help the people of my district. But the voters have spoken. You know, it's become a very red state, and it's redistricting. I was given the most Republican district of any incumbent in the state, and I knew it was going to be hard. But, I, you know, I worked as hard as I could, Howard. I knocked on 2,000 doors. It's a very rural district. I worked the urban and the rural part of the district very hard. Um, and, it, yeah, it was disappointing. Um, I think that, you know, in the campaigns have become more about um, slamming people and, and uh, you know, every vote. Yeah. Probably my bill on the transgendered um, um, vote two years ago helped take me down because that's what they used against me. Um, and that bill was a, was a do-nothing bill because we haven't had those issues in West Virginia. And I made it a point um, while I was in the legislature, we have a lot of real issues to take care of. And, you know, we make it about those national divisive issues that tear people apart. And I don't like to be a part of that. And um, I would never do anything to hurt girls. I have two my, of my own that were athletes or my granddaughters. And I thought the people knew me better than that. But um, it, it is what it is. I do hope that the person who um, won the election will remember that he served Democrats and Republicans, not just his Republican base, because that's the job. So I was disappointed, but that was going I was only running one last time. So, um, I, you know, um, I just turned, I turned 60 this year. And I think it's time for a newer generation to take over. I am um, so pleased with some of the younger people that are down in the legislature, Kayla Young, and um, to name, to name one, um, is a rising star in the West Virginia legislature. Um, and uh, Joey Garcia is another person. Tom Hornbuckle, from my side of the aisle, obviously, there's some on the other side as well. But um, I'm really worried about the state. It was already bad with the super majority um, because the processes weren't followed. There was a lack of transparency last few years in the legislature. Murphy, stop it. I'm sorry. That's um, okay. It's like a child. Um, and so, anyway, I, I was disappointed, but I will, I will, my, um, 
you know, my opponent, well, when he's sworn in, I'm still working for the people up until I'm no longer there. And uh, I appreciate your kind words. They mean a lot. Well, there is a lot of debate going on, and you're still in the legislature right now until the end of the year. Yeah. There's a lot of debate going on about the DHHR. It's an area that you have spent a lot of time when you're in office dealing with everything from foster care to the drug issue and so on. So you're very close to the DHHR and the concerns that have been raised there. Everybody knows there had been an effort made to split the DHHR into two. It's the single largest agency in the state right now. That uh, did not go through. Uh, the governor uh, chose to use a consultant who came back and said, well, it was, I, I couldn't quite figure out that report, honestly, Lacey. They kind of said, well, you got problems and you ought to solve them, but I didn't get a strong sense of how they thought they ought to be solved. And now there's a big battle between the governor and the legislature, legislative leadership, about whether they want to do anything or not. I mean, what to do with this report. So what, what's the future of the DHHR in your mind and what should be the future in your mind? Well, Howard, I was a co-sponsor of the bill to split the um, to split the DHHR into two, and I have to say, from the perspective of at least the health committee that that the House Health Committee that that bill originated in, was we wanted to see DHHR work more effectively, and that was that was the goal all along. Um, if it's not to be split in two, then let's make it work how it is. You know, there's some changes. I was really disappointed in the report. Um, you may not know this about me, but I worked in corporate America for eight years. I've been a, in, around a lot of um, reorganizations within the company that I worked in, with McKenzie um, Group, which is one of the top consulting firms in the country. And you know, when we did a, when we had a study done, and when we when we did a reorganization, we went so far as to you know we had process mapping for how everything would occur, who was going to be responsible. What would be going on at the same time? Kind of like think of it as swim lanes, if you will. You know, mm -hmm. who's going to be doing what in each lane so that we get to the to the end goal at the end of the pool um, with the work done? And this did nothing, nothing like that. It was kind of a um, generic um, sum summary of what they came up with. And frankly, we've seen this before in West Virginia. I mean, every 10 years or so, we see a new study, and it says the same thing, and um, and it doesn't it doesn't get better. And frankly, you know, DHHR is a behemoth. It's huge. They manage more money than the whole state budget for the state of West Virginia, 7.6 billion dollars, um, with the Medicaid money and all the federal funds that come through that organization. It's huge, and. I sit in um, last week, week before last at the um, interim meetings. I sit in on the meeting um, with Senator Blair when they reviewed this, and we reviewed it um, for the health committee as well. And um, I agree with him. It's just it, it was poorly done for a million dollars, frankly. But um, they came out with uh, uh, three, um, you know, issues that need to take care of the structure, DHA's organic structure needs improvement so its hardworking team can better be able to communicate in and adapt to rapidly changed environment of health and human service needs in West Virginia. The strategic focus needs to change and operational process. Process, process inefficiencies combined with interagency dependencies create barriers to team receiving necessary resources and lead the workforce to um, operate, they're just operating reactively. From the legislative perspective, we want the people that DHHR serves to be taken care of. 
We want foster children not falling through the cracks. We don't want hundreds of them out of state because we don't have any place to put them properly. We're ruining these children's lives, Howard, because we can't yeah. service them here. And that's what we want fixed. And in the adult homes where, you know, we have we know people are being mistreated. There was a report last year, mistreated people are dying in those home, those group homes. And we're not doing anything about it because we don't have any place to put those people. Is that an acceptable answer? Mm-hmm. I don't no, think of course so. not. It's not. It, it, Bill Crouch is the head of the department. Bill Crouch is head of the department. Um, to what extent does he have to bear some of this blame? Well, I think he bears some of the blame because he, you know, and, and I'm not, I don't want to just say this is Bill Crouch because it goes further than him, although I think leadership from the top, I would, you, you take the responsibility. That's the job, right? So um, I think that we would like to see him um, acknowledge some of the issues that have happened and come up with um, creative ways to come to those solutions. But they are in such a mode over at DHHR. Like, for instance, I could call, and when I talk to somebody over there, they can't talk to me until I get approval. I've been in meetings. I've Wait a minute. Meetings. What? Yeah. Oh, back up. Absolutely. Wait a minute. Yes, 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 yes. yes. As, a, as a delegate of the legislature, you call to talk to Sammy Smith, who's in Department B, whatever. Yeah. And Sammy can't talk to you unless somebody gives him permission? Amen, brother. Yep, that's what I'm telling you. Unless I'm missing something, and sometimes I do, that's asinine. Yeah, it is. But that's how that's how um, that's how paranoid I believe that that organization is because they want to be on top of any potential issue that could arise from that. Um, I we had some major issues two years ago with foster care in our in our county, and I asked to meet with the HHR person, and I met with her when I was down in, at Interim one time, and uh, Bill Ellenfeld and Joe Sinatra were still there, and they met with me, and um, she introduced me to her colleague. Well, later I find out that the colleague that she brought with her was the um, legal counsel for the HHR. <laughs> so that happens routinely. Um and they are very territorial about what what is asked and what is said. And also, quite frankly, the last year, last November, we were told that um, there was a huge issue with the voucher system in West Virginia. And the voucher is, you know, a per, uh, used to be a piece of paper you could take to Walmart, and then the state would get would reimburse them. This is what a family gets if somebody child comes into foster care, emergency placement is made. These children, um, they get the family gets a voucher to take care of their immediate needs. Remember, a lot of times, especially if these kids are infants, they are taken out at home with the clothes on their back, um, and that's how it's, that's what the family gets, right? So the voucher is to help them get what they need for immediate needs for that child. Well, we were told last November that um, Walmart quit taking the vouchers because DHHR doesn't pay its bills in a timely manner. And, you know, a Walmart is the biggest store in West Virginia. So um, we were told that that was taken care of. There was an EBT card that was going to be um, like a, a card that, that um, like food stamps come out on that you could then take anywhere to get what you purchase what you needed, right? So um, we were told that. And then I have a friend last, last – I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting in the weeds, but it's important. Um, no, it's good. It's good stuff. In, in the spring, um, who was asked to take in a, a foster child um, that she knew as a kinship um, person. She took him in. She, she 
she doesn't get a she doesn't get um doesn't get a uh, car seat. He's he's like eighteen months old. Doesn't get a car seat. Has to come up with a car seat. Doesn't get a voucher for two weeks. Um, I'm scrambling to help her. She's a friend, and she doesn't have a lot of resources. Um, great person. So I'm buying diapers. I'm you know I have stuff. I have grandchildren taking her up. up a pack and play, buying diapers, meeting her, you know, to, to give her this stuff. And she gets a voucher two weeks later. And the voucher can be used at JCPenney's. Well, you can't buy bottles at JCPenney's. You can't <laughs> buy diapers at JCPenney's. You can buy um, hiring clothing at JCPenney's, I guess, and you can at Walmart. Um, but the bottom line is, how many targets do we have in West Virginia? Six? I mean, you have to think about, we're fortunate in our right. area, we have stores. You think about a family down in southern West Virginia, then close as Walmart's an hour away. You know what I mean? We have to think about this from a statewide perspective. I went crazy when we had our next interim meeting, and it's not, it wasn't dealt with. You can't say go to Walmart. There isn't an EBT card. So we effectively were lied to. Now, I thought Bill, which I'm going to pass on to a colleague, you know, that will take care of this bill, and hopefully it will get passed um, with some bipartisan support in the legislature, and uh, we can get this taken care of. But we are giving, we are asking people to take these most vulnerable children in, and we're not doing anything to help them. You know, my friend didn't get a check for two a month, and she never got all the money she should have gotten as long as she had the child. Um, it, it's just and it's unacceptable, and we know these are ongoing issues. So why don't we take care of them? Even it sounds to me like it's a fundamental question. failure. It's not some sort of big, you know consultant required to figure this out. This is a fundamental failure. If we can't take care of someone who just comes into the system to where they're supposed to be, I mean, that's right. a that's a gigantic failure. That's a that's a failure of great proportion. And, you know, in our county, I'm on the, the Marshall County Family Resource Network board, and we have taken care of this problem for years. We've had a foster care closet, and some counties do have that. Um, and we asked specifically after this voucher thing came up, well, which counties have foster care clauses in their communities so that these children can be taken care of? I got a list. Marshall County wasn't on it. And we have a foster care closet. Um, you know what I mean? But this child that I'm talking about was in Ohio County. He wasn't in Marshall County. But I'm just saying. And how do these people, if the DHHR doesn't give them the information that there is a closet in their community, they don't know where to go next. Do you know what I mean? It's just so there's a communication. There's a communications issue here exactly. too. A lack of communication. Lack of communication issue. We at the legislature didn't want foster kids staying in hotel rooms. We didn't want to have a DHHR worker have to stay all night with them in an office room. Do you know what I mean? We want to have. Where are the you know? And where are the foster families for special needs children? Now I will give the governor and Bill Crouch credit. Part of the issue that we wanted to take care of in that bill that passed and was gutted through the Senate last year and then the governor vetoed was a dashboard where you could look at the, mm -hmm. you could look at the foster care system critically every month. For instance, I looked at it, but I look at it every month when it comes out in the middle of the month. Marshall County has 65, um, has currently has 65 foster care children. You can tell, you can see, we don't have any vacancies right now in our CPS workers. But it gives you a whole list of how many kids are in that placement out of town, how, out of town, how many have special needs. You know, do we have a network? Of, we've asked for them to put a network together of foster families around the state who will take in special needs children. 
can you imagine we don't do we do we do a really poor job of regular children and i don't mean regular but children without special needs you know what i mean children without special needs coming into the system we can't take care of them properly what about the children that do have special needs we have asked for that to be taken care of all four years since i've been there and it's still not done i mean is is it a function of money do uh, is there not enough money in dhhr I think so, because it was ironic when we wanted to raise CPS worker salaries 15% this last year, the governor and, and um, the commissioner, DHHR Kraut, came up with enough money by collapsing 1,400 positions within DHHR to come up with the money needed to make that happen. So, um, and how, <clears throat> what does that even mean? We haven't even talked about that. So, you know, what's our budget mean when we're collapsing 1,400 positions within within an organization? But you can bet your bottom dollar there's not going to be one more penny wanted to be put into DHHR now with this new issue in the governor and the Senate at each other's throats. Yeah, so it's, become really, politi- really it's become politicized now. It's it's a political Absolutely. battle between the leadership yeah. and the governor, and that's yeah. that's that's never good for the people who are being served by the by the program. Lisa, if you were well, you still can drafting legislation to solve some of these problems. What would you do? What do you suggest be done as the, as the next session gets underway? What 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 needs to be done to make DHHR more effective? more responsive to the immediate needs of the people they serve, whether it be foster kids or people in families with drugs or whatever, because that portfolio of the DHHR is so large. What needs to be done? Well, I think we need to start working more um, in a community basis on the drug issue. You know, Huntington, Cabell County does an amazing job. They had to because they were the you know epicenter of the um, of the overdose crisis in, in America, let alone West Virginia. Um, so I think each county needs to start. They need to put together countywide plans on how we would operate, um, similar to what Cabell County does to make that work. I also think. Last year, we increased, we've increased CPS salaries over the last years, probably 30%, which has been huge. But we haven't raised, we haven't raised the, um, the incoming salaries for those folks. We need to do something in the state, too. Um, much like we did with the nursing shortage last year, we need to. We need social workers in our state. We need mental health providers. We need that for every aspect of DHHR, from the drug crisis to foster care to um, families in crisis. We need to do more in prevention. We need more to support the families that are in crisis before their children have to be taken out of their home. We need to identify these families, and we need to help them with the um, resources they need. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about mental health services. You know, most people out there, they don't want to neglect their children. They're doing the best they can with what they know how to do. Where are we missing the point? Where, are we, where do we need to educate people? How do, we take care, how do you take care of your children? What should you be doing every day? I mean, those kind, it's basic. It goes back to the basics. Um, people doing the best they can. And I think I'm not asking the state or, uh, you know, the legislature to put a lot more money into it. I think we need to utilize the services that we already have out there. But we have a crisis in this state. We have teachers that we need. We have um, social workers that we need. We have mental health providers that we need. And we aren't doing anything to bring those folks here. You know, we just aren't making – are we incentivizing those jobs? We aren't. You know, we know that we have huge turnaround in all of those issues and all of those 
all of this, um, those careers, we're not doing anything to address that. How do we make that happen? So Lisa, I think I've, that got to, I've got to move on. Time is running out. But uh, it sounds like you have some great ideas and, and keep on yeah. fighting the good fight as long as you can. And in whatever way you can, keep your finger in after the first of the year. You may not be in office and you may be tired of it and want to walk away. And But I'd like to see you continue to keep a close eye on things and, and continue to offer ideas because you really are very – you really understand what's going on in there, and, and there's a huge problem there. This is the agency that affects probably most people in the state directly, so uh, keep on going. Well, and also, uh, have yourself a happy Thanksgiving, too. You, too, and thanks for having me on. You got me wound up. I'm pretty passionate about this issue in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got that sense. <laughs> okay. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks a lot. Talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. All right, 18 to the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Lola, as you probably have already known, but certainly Bob will tell you, I'm never on time. So it's time now for the half-hour news break with Stephanie from the Big 7. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm Stephanie Grinley with your 7 News headlines for November 21st. The economy was not kind in 2022, but will that turn around now that the elections are over? Wheeling financial expert Sean Rohrig says the next couple months will be a bumpy ride. Now that the results of the midterms are known, it's one less bit of uncertainty for investors, but in the short term, borrowing money will take a lot of effort. One bit of positive news is that the monthly inflation report was a little lighter for October. October. And speaking of money, America has sent billions of dollars to Ukraine, but that could be changing in just two months. The midterm elections put the GOP in charge of the House. The party says Ukraine will no longer have what they call a blank check. That's despite President Biden's $37 billion aid proposal that he wants to pass before the new Congress is sworn in. West Liberty professor Dr. Brian Fitzpatrick says the Hastert rule could block future aid. And if you hear some gunshots today, just know in West Virginia, the buck firearm season starts today and will run for two weeks. There was already a buck hunting season, but that only allowed bows and arrows. The West Virginia Division of Natural Resources says over 42,000 bucks were killed by hunters last year. That was a look at your 7 News headlines. I'm Stephanie Grinley. Have a great Monday, everyone. It's been a streaky series between the Mountaineers and the Wildcats. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Caridi. That story coming up on today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger. This holiday, whether you're roasting a Kroger Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or making a Murray's Baked Free for two, whether you're baking a pie with fresh cosmic crisp apples like Grandma's or ordering private selection cream pies when Grandma's pie is all gone, Kroger has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. At Kroger, we believe local produce shouldn't be hard to find. That's why we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring the fresh produce you love to our stores. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The preparation continues today for the Mountaineer football team as it gets ready to close out the home portion of the schedule on Saturday. 
as they entertain the Wildcats of Kansas State. This has been an interesting and streaky series since West Virginia and K-State started to become Big 12 brethren. You take a look in Kansas State to open things up back in 2012. Beats West Virginia in consecutive years, 2012, 13, 14, and 15. So that's four in a row. And then... West Virginia goes on a five-game win streak that lasts from 2016 all the way through 2020. Then last year, Kansas State knocks off the Mountaineers in Manhattan by a score of 34-17. to So how do the numbers compare for this season's matchup? Interesting. West Virginia, believe it or not, currently averaging more points per game than Kansas State, just by a point, 31 to just a little bit under 31 points. First downs, 243 on the year for the Mountaineers, 202 for K-State. So where is the big difference? Well, that comes on the defensive side of things. WVU allowing 33 points per game. Yes, the defense is getting better, but the number is they're giving up 33 points per game. On the other side, K-State's defense downright stingy giving up just 18 points per game. And of concern, K-State's scheme on defense, similar to that of Iowa State, a defense that West Virginia really struggled against. We'll talk more about it coming up tonight. Neil Brown's show from Kegler's begins at 6, and we invite you to join us here on MSN. That is today's Mountaineer Report, brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. I'm Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network. Deciding where to dine in the Ohio Valley, think first of the Highlands. With a full array of fast food choices for everyone in the family. Or drop in at the Olive Garden, Cheddar's, Bubba's Burgers, Bob Evans, Fusion, or Panera Bread. Whatever your family's in the mood for, you can find it just off I-70 at the top of the hill. The Highlands, dining, shopping, entertainment, and lodging. Talk line on Metro News. Governor Jim Justice on the announcement by a company that's going to build a refinery in Wyoming County to extract rare earth elements from coal waste. I always want to you know, tread a little lightly and uh, be optimistic and hopeful, but this announcement could could revolutionize Southern West Virginia. That's just all there is to it. Keep up on what's happening in West Virginia Talk Line weekdays at 10:06 right here on this Metro News radio station. We'll talk to you then conversations you care about with people you know this is the watchdog morning show with howard monroe and bob slider behind the board we're brought to you by wvu medicine on wkkx and wvly Slider's voice seems to have gone up a few octaves today. Uh, it's actually not Bob Slider behind the board, but Lola Miller is here with us this morning, uh, trying to keep things under control, and I got way out of control there in that last half hour. Segment ran long. I'm sorry about that, Lola. That's kind of a kind of thing that I do sometimes. Well, you know what, uh, Howard? The stuff that? That, that Lisa deals with is so vitally important to everybody in the state. And for her, you know, I, I don't have a problem with listening to her explain what these problems are in DHHR. If you've ever had to deal with DHHR, you only, no matter how you've had to deal with them, you've only just touched the surface 
of the problems that they have. It, it's, it can be a nightmare when you're having to deal with them, you know? So I just wish Her that she would be there to continue yeah, the fight. Know, these are areas that she's so strong in and so knowledgeable in and so passionate about that, you know, she is a great advocate for. The DHHR is the agency that really affects probably more individual people in the state than any other. I mean, between, again, they deal with drugs, they deal with foster care, they deal with all the, you know, the, uh, the range of issues in between. And what I like about Lisa is Lisa is unbelievably passionate, which you could hear just a few minutes ago. But she's smart, she's knowledgeable. You know, it's not just sort of philosophically passionate. She understands this stuff. And a couple of things, a couple of stories she told there just were really irritating to me or frustrating or whatever the word to use is. First of all, you know, the, the, the family she, that, that was supposed to get, you know, their EBT and other things, and they just didn't get them for, for, for weeks. I mean, emergency care, putting them into a, putting in emergency placement, putting them in with a, a foster family. Uh, they need to get the things they need to get. How come they weren't available? That should be. I mean, that's 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 just a that's a basic failure. Johnny gets into a new placement, and with Johnny should come a little packet with all of his stuff. Why not? That doesn't make any sense. And her point is well taken. When they when she did get it, it was for clothing at pennies. Now listen, I get my clothing at pennies, but a lot of people who are using the the assistance to get their clothing, need to go to Walmart. And Walmart is prevalent in West Virginia. And depending on where you live, JCPenney is not. Again, not at all critical of pennies. I go there. But giving, I don't know what, giving someone a, a certificate to, to go to pennies to get the clothes is not the same thing as getting as going to Walmart. Well, like what, really, what really surprised me was when she said, when she calls to talk to somebody at the agency, about a problem, they say, oh, I'm sorry, I have to get permission to talk to you first. What the hell is that? And they show she's up a, with their lawyer. The legislature. They show up with their lawyer. That's that's the other thing. You know? Yeah, yes, and when she sat down with the uh, whoever it was, the person she wanted to talk to, they brought her legal counsel. What in God's name? I mean, I, I, she used the word paranoia. Lisa did. And I think that's it. There's paranoia inside that agency for some reason. I don't know whether it should be split in two or split into one. The consultant's report, which I glanced through, I read some of it and glanced through the rest of it. It's not that very long. It, it doesn't really give any solutions. I mean, it basically says, hmm. well, yeah, you got problems. Now, don't make any big changes, but uh, why don't you try and do better? I mean, that, 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 what, kind of, what kind of report is that? And they put the blame. They don't put the blame. That's not right. But they point some of the responsibility at the head of the department. That's Bill Crouch specifically. And yet the governor wants to put Crouch in charge of all the changes. That doesn't make sense either. Um. It is the state. It, seriously, Howard, it, what does the state usually do? Not make a whole lot of sense when it comes I, to anything. Just before you said those words, my next words were going to be, but then again, it's West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Well, I, I'll go one step. It's the state. It, it, it. I'm sure this is a problem that is being had across the country, because when you have a, a bureaucracy as big as DHHR is, um, 
I, I don't know how you, why you would want to keep it all under one umbrella. You know, it needs to be split up so that, you know, each individual agency can be looked at, you know, and, and their budgets reassessed and see where things can be cut, where things shouldn't be cut, how to juggle money from one thing to another to keep things on a more even keel. When you've got it all under one umbrella, she's right. It's territorial. They aren't gonna, they're not going to let one penny go from that particular agency's um, budget. So, you know, it's, it's bureaucracy at its worst. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I'm, I'm not close enough to know for sure, but I have always felt that it makes sense to split it into at least two, maybe even more, because there are several different portfolios inside the DHHR, which seems to me each needs to have its own management team, each have its own budget, each have its own priorities, you know. Um, but what's going to happen now is it's all bollocked up with this argument between the governor and the legislature, legislative leadership. Now nothing's going to get done because the governor did this consultant's report. Uh, the uh, Craig Blair and the Senate leadership in particular uh, and others in the supermajority of the Republicans just don't want to do it. They, now they want because the governor wants it. Well, we're not. No, 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 no. In fact, I think I think I think it was uh, Craig Blair who called it in the words of Jim Justice. He called Jim Justice's uh, consultant's report a nothing burger. <laughs> well, hmm. okay. What a mess. What a mess. What a mess our state is in. I, I just. I don't know. I, there's things that have happened in this past, well, since I moved here, I'd say last 15 years. Um, that have shown me things can get, you know how people say, well, they can't get much worse. Well, you know Never, what? Never, ever say that. Never, <laughs> yeah. ever say that. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Uh, I have, uh, you know, in personal sense, I have over the years where a boss has been fired and, and everybody says, oh, thank God, it can't get any worse. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Be careful <laughs> what you wish for. <laughs> I see that happen. Five before the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Yes. Oh, I was going to take oh. a break. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were just telling me what time it was. No. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It was, uh, that was like, that's my, oh. it's, it's like my, it's five before the hour on the Watchdog Morning Show. All righty. Talk line on Metro News. Governor Jim Justice on the announcement by a company that's going to build a refinery in Wyoming County. To extract rare earth elements from coal waste. I always want to, you know, tread a little lightly and uh, be optimistic and hopeful, but this announcement could could revolutionize Southern West Virginia. That's just all there is to it. Keep up on what's happening at West Virginia Talk Line weekdays at 10:06 right here on this Metro News Radio station. We'll talk to you then. If you turn 65 this year, you are eligible for Medicare. To help you understand your choices and possibility of financial assistance, the Ohio Department of Insurance is holding Welcome to Medicare events across the state. So join us at a free event near you. Make sure your plan suits your budget and your needs. For more information, contact the Ohio Department of Insurance at 1-800-686-1578 or go online at insurance.ohio.gov. 
This is Doug Ute, Executive Director of the Ohio High School Athletic Association. High school coaches can be the biggest influence on kids having a positive experience in sports. Sports set the foundation for life lessons that remain long after playing days are over. This is Gene Smith. Please join Life Sports at The Ohio State University and the Ohio High School Athletic Association as we partner with the Susan Crown Exchange on its Million Coaches Challenge. Get involved and learn more at go.osu.edu backslash coach. Toyota Thon is on, making now the perfect time to reserve your new car, truck, or SUV. Check out an efficient Camry hybrid or an affordable and stylish Corolla hybrid, both with great MPGs. Or come in and test drive a new RAV4, Sienna, or Corolla Cross, each with available all-wheel drive, and be ready for anything this winter. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, and hurry. Offers end November 30th. Reserve yours today. Toyota, let's go places. When deciding where to dine in the Ohio Valley, think first of the Highlands with a full array of quick service choices from McDonald's, Wendy's, Five Guys, Taco Bell, Jersey Mike's, Jimmy John's, Chick-fil-A, or DiCarlo's Pizza. Or you can dine in at Eden Park, Primanti Brothers, Texas Roadhouse, El Paso, or Quaker Steak and Lube. Whatever your family's in the mood for, you can find it just off I-70 at the top of the hill. The Highlands, dining, shopping, entertainment, and lodging. Sports Map Radio is on all night long. Tune in to get up to the minute sports coverage on FM 98.1, AM 1600. We We are the Watchdog. Live from the Robinson Auto Group Studios in downtown Wheeling, in the heart of the Ohio Valley, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Three weeks out from the last election, everybody's scrambling now for the next election. There will be another announcement made today in West Virginia for someone else who's already saying he's running for Congress in two years. We'll talk about that and more coming up next hour, plus more in our turkey shoot. It's 9 o'clock, and ABC covers the world. FM 98. Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.